0: Welcome back to the Copper Supplementary Podcast, the podcast that is, of course, the younger sister to the grandest tournament in South American football, the Wilson and Windsor Libertadores podcast, breaking down all of the action from the Sudamericana this week. Myself, Ollie Wilson, and Dave Windsor. And there's plenty to get into as the cream started to rise to the top in the Combo Sudamericana. David Windsor, I mean, some of the big boys for dropping down from the Libertadores have... Uh, have impressed this week when you look at Grêmio getting a big result against Lanus, Libertad getting a 3 1 victory against Newell's old boys on the road at a club with such uh, great steam in in Argentinian football and Independiente the king of cups look it wasn't pretty against Montevideo City Torque with with all of their financial backing from the corporation that owns of (laughs) course Manchester (laughs) City and so many other football teams around the globe Uh, but Jonathan Herrera the hat-trick hero from last week getting his name on the score sheet off the bench Sergio Romero the captain leading by example to open the scoring and the king of cups is starting to actually look like a king of cups really for the first time that we've been covering South American football Independiente have got this pedigree on the continent and two wins in two to start and two very impressive performances and controlling their group at the moment with six points this is what we came to see from both the libertadores and the sudamericana we wanted to see the best on the continent rising up do you just think though that perhaps gremio and and libertad in particular have like a bee in their bonnet after not making the uh, libertadores this year yeah i
1: think there's also a sense that these clubs can't be snobby about the Sudamericana, in my opinion, I know during the group stages you might rest and rotate slightly, but when you get to the sharp end of the tournament, it really can be massive if you go on and win it. And I just look at it, some of the the clubs that are, are well placed already in the albeit in the early stages of this group, Zoli, and the the clubs you've mentioned, plus the possibility of some clubs dropping down at the third place side in their Libertadores, of course, drops down into the into the Sudamericana. You, you potentially in the knockout phase, you've got some really really big big names and big football clubs involved, and you talked about the King of Cups Independiente always fascinates me that for an outsider looking in on south america if you asked if you said oh, how how many you know who's won the most libertadores titles people would say oh, well it must be boca juniors it must be river plate or it must be you know some of the brazilian clubs and the fact that independiente have that just incredible history of success is um is always great yeah and uh it looks it, look, it looks uh it looks all teed up very nicely i was
0: trying to think of a english equivalent or a european equivalent of a side like independiente of having a great european pedigree and then Obviously, not being there or anywhere really close to achieving that sort of thing. I think the only ones that I could think of were like the likes of Aston Villa and Forest, and uh, mm. you know maybe the the Nigel Clough Derby County, for instance, or maybe even Leeds United, who obviously were the last team to win the league before the uh, Premier League came into fruition, and then have obviously dropped down the ranks and re risen once again from the ashes of their side. Yeah, I think you'd have to say.
1: It has to be Villa or Forest though for, for what they did on a continental stage yeah. in, in terms of comparison but it's hard to but even Villa and Forest I mean Forrest won it twice but they neither of them had it's strange on the continent to have a side that was so unbelievably successful and now to drop down and, and, and not or not have had that success um, really resonate globally. I mean I guess it was the, the time they did it in Oli. there was so much lack there was so much less information and, and visuals really of South American football that it didn't capture an audience beyond the continent.
0: Well, let's stick with the big guns in this tournament because we had a game that was this week in the group stage that could grace a, a semi-final, a quarter-final of the, of the Libertadores. Corinthians taking on Peñarol, the Uruguayan giants, paired with the Brazilian giants in groupie. Um, Kevin Dawson kept on his toes a little bit between the posts for Peñarol making eight, nine saves during the game. But really, Corinthians, as we mentioned last week on this podcast, a, a relatively poor performance when you take into account the quality that Peñarol have shown going forward and and anybody that listens to our Libertadores podcast know that we love obviously attacking football in these tournaments and being really aggressive We've, we've lauded the likes of Palmeiras and Flamengo Peñarol kind of taking a leaf out of their book at the moment when you look at their four games so far in this competition including their their first round victory against Cerro Lago 13 goals in four games a huge win this week to control the group Uh, winning 2-0 on the road in Brazil, which is very impressive. David Terence with an assist and a goal to add to his already strong start in the competition as the front man for Peñarol. But there are so many other players around him as well in this side that are are producing creativity. Uh, Gonzalez, for instance, who uh, was helping to create the, um, the first goal of the game. It's a Peñarol team, again, that we have expected so much from and never really seen much out of. On the continental stage in the Libertadores, and when they've dropped down into the common ball sudamericana in recent years it's been i think lackluster would even be an understatement because as soon as they drop down they immediately go into the ranking of uh, could be a side that wins it and now they look like they can with trindade gonzalez uh, walter gargano the former napoli player um alvarez martinez who started strong with a couple of goals as well in the opening group game aggressive football that's so charismatic when you think of the iconic colours of Peñarol as well Mm. there's something about the yellow and black streaking forward that really just grabs me more than other clubs on this continent and I think as well because it's a Uruguayan side that stands out more than anything you know Nacional not don't have I think the international reputation of a Peñarol in the same way nor do many other sides really from Uruguay but Mm. Peñarol is a world-renowned name and they were a joy to watch. They have been so far. They they look like they would be able to perform in the Libertadores this year if they were in it. And who knows if they could have been because of the crazy way yeah. they allocated who was going into what competition this year in Uruguay.
1: But do you think do they look more comfortable, though, at this level, Oli? Because they're disappointed in, in, in recent years, Peña Roll, and of course the Uruguayan success sort of way back in the day. But the name holds strong. But the last couple of years in the Libertadores, yeah, they've been really just been really poor so when they drop down and as you said they scored you know seven goals in the in the two games in the group stages do, does this to you look to be a more comfortable setting for them to really kind of kick start
0: I think it could be a great place to build from for Pena Roll in terms of their continental pedigree once more I think when they perhaps go into the Libertadores there's the expectation because of the name that comes with them and the Libertadores and the history they have in it you know former winners of it whereas in the Sudamericana now, rather than being in the Libertadores and dropping down and seeing that as a, oh, disappointing route of the Libertadores. Mm. Now they're starting afresh in this tournament from the get-go and they can look at it as a way to guarantee themselves a Libertadores place for next year and potentially to play some of the best teams on the continent again in the knockout stages if they can win this group and get through, uh, get past Corinthians and River Plate of Paraguay who've actually been really good as well to watch in this tournament in the first two games. Very impressive. So I think it is just I think it's a different mindset that you have when you start in a tournament as opposed to when you drop down into it. I think there can be a same comparison again in European football with the Champions League and the Europa League and the teams that drop out of it. They they treat the first couple of knockout games fairly tepidly unless they're playing a big side and then semi-final, it suddenly becomes worse than being in it. And I think Peñarol maybe had a case of that in the last couple of years. But they've started in blistering form going forward. All out, guns blazing, attacking football. And haven't really been tested defensively yet, which either shows defensively they're solid or it shows there's perhaps leakiness to come later on. Elsewhere, there it's not all about the big names, by the way, In the Commonwealth of <laughs> America. A bit of dedication to some of the smaller clubs. Uh, credit in Group D has to go to the Peruvian side, Melgar. Two wins in two so far. Came from behind to beat Metropolitanos in their first game. Uh, beat Alcas this week of Ecuador, who are probably the weakest Ecuadorian side on the continent at the moment. Um They've got a huge test coming up, though, against Atletico Paranaense, who are the giants in this group, really. When you see clubs going to Atletico Paranaense and the uh, Bashia Arena that they play in, it's like chalk and cheese for some sure. of the grounds that you see in, in Uruguay and elsewhere. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But Melgar have been just as good as anybody else in this tournament so far in finding the victories that they have done. Atletico Paranaense, though, is a different kettle of fish. And I just worry this is going to be a big game coming up this week in and in a potential group decider only three games into it. And they won it in 2018, Atletico Paranaense, I think, or certainly in very recent memory. Um, they won it.
1: And yeah, I know exactly what you mean about that contrast in stadiums because so- something about the Uruguayan sides, obviously, Peña or Nacional, big club, but when you drop below that and you can, you can kind of see Montevideo, can't you? You know, when you see the shots yeah. of, the, of, the, of the stadium and you can kind of see this... Um, yeah, you can see all the background. So it's, uh, yeah, it's... Uh... It's like
0: the stadiums in Bolivia. You can just see the, the, you know, the incredible backdrop in La Paz of the mountains and all of the houses mm-hmm. built into the hills. But it, you wouldn't necessarily say that the, the foreground stadiums are these glamorous arenas. They're just big concrete bowls that you sure. get in places like Bolivia. Whereas these brand new purpose-built stadiums in uh, the Atletico Paranaense and Grêmio have, for instance, they're, they're, they perhaps lack a little of the South American soul Uh, But you certainly, I imagine for any of these clubs going there, it's very intimidating. That's going to be a game that anybody who is following the Sudamericana should keep an eye on next week in in Group D, Melgar, against Atletico Paranaense. And I just want to quickly, before we get into talking about the new format, is talk about Ecuadorian football, because we touched on it this week on the Libertadores podcast. Emelec, Alexis Zapata, go online, find the volley scores a beautiful ball into the back post and it's one where you see him watch it all the way onto his left boot, back right corner of the 18-yard box, puts it in the far corner, beats the keeper, a 3-0 win against Arby Bragantino, the Brazilian side who perhaps should be the closest contender in their group. They've started so brightly, Emelec. Ecuadorian football in general at this point seems to be going from strength to strength on the continent.
1: Yeah, and that goal that you you said three days ago, you sent me a telegram just saying, uh, yeah, w- watch the goal. And it sat in my head and then I w- watched it this morning and I wasn't disappointed. No, it's, um, yeah, it's the lovely corner one, two routine that he just strikes it so sweetly. It's worth a watch for sure.
0: Made it sound like we're in like the 1960s. Uh, I sent a telegram to uh, David Windsor. Stop. Emelec, stop. Alex, it's to batter. Stop. Even,
1: even when I said that, actually, yeah. I'm sure everyone knows, uh, you know, what, what telegram is.
0: But it, just in general with Ecuadorian football, though, you know, we've seen Liga de Quito coming through in, in the Libertadores and the Sudamericana. We, we've seen, obviously, uh, Independiente del Valle as well. Emelec, Outcast to a lesser extent, although they were impressive initially in the first round of this competition. These aren't sides that Argentinian teams and Brazilian teams can afford to just look over at this point. They're they, really dangerous and and a lot of them have this attacking nature to their game now and emalek i think have got that physicality too yeah and
1: yeah it is it, interesting just feeding on from what you were saying about the libertadores as well about um about ecuadorian sides and closing the gap maybe on the the argentine sides and you can see it in the in the libertadores and yeah it'd be interesting to see how they progress in the sudamericana too
0: Just finally then, uh, the new format, only one team goes through from every single group. We said we wouldn't run through the groups every single week, but I think it's worth doing just at this point because two games into it, I think that this format suits the Commonwealth Sudamericana because although potentially later on there are more dead rubbers as we spoke about, it puts a greater intensity on every single one of these opening few games in the groups and slow stumbles from big sides when you look at you look at San Lorenzo in Group A. I mean, Huachipato and Dosi de Octubre to be top of that group on four points each is surprising with Rosario Central beating San Lorenzo this week. It's not over for San Lorenzo, but it also means it's going to take a Herculean effort on them, their part to get out of this group and get to the top spot. And it leaves open then for one of those other three sides to sneak in, perhaps who we weren't expecting to. That's a that's a really... um. That's a good po- positive spin on it,
1: Ollie. In terms of making the game more dynamic. I mean, yeah, l- no competition format is going to be perfect, and clearly the problem with this of only one side qualifying from a group of four does mean that the dead rubbers are going to be there, and there is, albeit not as much, but there's going to be travel as well and a lot of a lot of squads kind of travel into places thinking, what on earth are we do? We're out of the group. We were out of the group two games ago. Like, what are we doing here? But you could also flip that and say, well, it's a better chance to use squads and see younger players as they're in kind of the back end of these group stages. But certainly from the off, it also hopefully just leads to more goals because draws are pretty useless. Like, you've got to yeah. win games. To finish top of these groups so yeah
0: and also you look at group d with melgar and atletico paranaense both on six points then you've got metropolitanos and alcas yet to get off the board in the libertadores you'd look at that and say well those two are probably going to go through mm. you know slow starts whereas in this now you've got to fight for over the next four games of who out of melgar and atletico paranaense is going to get the job done especially with any road games that they have metropolitanos and alcas can still have an integral part in the judgment of of where that group finishes Mm. so maybe there will be groups further down the line that will have bigger dead rubbers in them but I think at this point it actually does help tee up some really exciting games from the get-go and prevents teams or hopefully prevents teams from having these sluggish starts and we've seen that with some of the bigger sides, you know, like Peñarol, like uh, Asiático Paranaense, and like Libertad and Emelec, who are all leading their groups at the moment. Get on to whatever website you use for your soccer stats for all of the other groups as they stand at the moment. We'll be back next time with more on the supplementary podcast.